Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I am hooked on this song. Of all the Christmas trap I've been playing this week, this one's the best. I can't get enough of it. I digress, though. It's Hardline, Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy, and special guest this hour, Jacob Nyheisel. Brenda, welcome back. Good morning. It's welcome. It's been three weeks. I know. Welcome back to you, Joe. Well, thank you. <laughs> and welcome to Professor Nyheisel. My pleasure. Yes, welcome back, Jacob. It's been a while. It, you were here the start of all of this impeachment mess. That's true. When we finally were told the inquiry would start, you set it up. Now you can set up this next stage, and <laughs> how much longer will we have to talk about it? But first, I just want to say it's been a, a holiday mood around here, so we've missed the last two weeks of Hardline. Hope you enjoyed the special programming, but we are back here now, getting into the holiday season. And, you know, we like to be in the holiday mood, but Congress has to keep on going with this impeachment thing, so... A little impeachment with your game day morning. How's that sound? <laughs> a little smattering of impeachment on the uh, the Sunday buffet with B&B. That's right. That's right. The buffet's a little limited this morning. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's that impeachment with a side of impeachment. And maybe we'll dabble just a little impeachment on top of all that. I, I detect a current theme here, Professor. And it doesn't take a PhD to figure it out, right? Very few things do, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> now let me, and we should also talk about Brian Higgins, right, Joe, in the second hour? Yes, Congressman Brian Higgins. I have always said, of all the politicians in Western New York, Brian, Congressman Higgins is one of the most accessible politicians to the media. He is on this station a lot. He's on other local media a lot, so we thank him for that. Can't wait to talk to him in the second hour. Excited to have Professor Nyheisel here in the first hour. But before we get to politics, guys, we got to ask the obvious question. What most people are looking forward to, the Bills game. Okay, Brenda first. Final score prediction, will the Bills get it done at New Era Field? I say the Bills lose 24-10. I'm, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm ready to eat a big serving of crow. Go Bills. Diehard fan my whole life. I really hope they can make it happen. And, you know, they have been stepping up no matter what, Joe, because of the, the increased uh, awareness of what the Bills are doing. They're finally getting some respect on the national stage. So let's hope they don't embarrass themselves. You know, I hope that we stay competitive, that we can contain Lamar Jackson and our defense really steps up and that Josh Allen continues to be as poised as he has been over the past couple of weeks. I have to tell you, after the Cleveland game, I was done with him. I said, that's it. We're still on the search for a quarterback. This guy doesn't have it. 
Well, all of a sudden, I'm starting to change my mind on him because he's coming around. And I'm very impressed with his poise, how he's standing in the pocket, how he's not panicking with happy feet. I really hope he can make it happen today. He is getting better as as well as the offense every game. We see this offense play better every game. The defense staying solid, one one of the best in the NFL. They do lack on the run defense, but I will get into that after I ask the professor, what do you think of today's game? So my professional reputation isn't on the line here. Uh, this is not what I do. So I'll uh, play to the crowd favorite and say Bills by a nose hair. Oh, I, um, ho- I hope you're right. It will be a nose hair if they win. <laughs> I'm, I'm a part owner of the Packers, you know, so um, I, I actually uh, I have I have different loyalties, but I'll, I'll go with the Bills this time. Do you actually have stock? Professor? I do. I have wow. two shares. It uh, lends itself um, absolutely no benefits whatsoever. Is somebody good. else, Joe? We yeah. know somebody else. The who en- has it. engineer Al. Yes. So he's the second NFL. I know two NFL owners. <laughs> Isn't that something? That Can you is get us amazing. good tickets? <laughs> uh, no, no. The, it's very clear on the paperwork they send you. It has no benefits whatsoever in terms of tickets. But you do, do have voting privileges. Yes, you get I to do. vote on the decisions an NFL team makes. Sort of. <laughs> that is awesome. They set the agenda such that it it it's kind of set up the way they want it, anyways. But yes, I, I do get a vote. That's awesome. Well, I gave my uh, prediction on Randy's show. I think the Bills are going to stay in it the first half. I think they're going to look great, maybe even go into halftime with the lead. Unfortunately, I think our defense and the problems they've had containing the run will catch up with them in the second half. Like Brenda, I hope I'm wrong. And maybe it's just the uh, Bills fan in me who can never get completely sold on the team. I think they lose 30-14. But if they win, if they beat this Ravens team, that's the end of the excuses from the national media. They can't say, oh, well, it was the Cowboys or, oh, it was the easy schedule. If they beat the Ravens today, no more excuses. Huge signature game, Joe, if they were to pull it off. And here's my prediction. I hope to God, or here's my fear. I hope to God that we don't need to rely on Stephen Hauschka for the winning field goal. Me either. That would be a problem. Not in the wind. (laughs) <laughs> Not in a dome, even. I don't know what's happened to this guy. It seems like a lot of kickers this year in the NFL have, yes. have been struggling, like you said, indoors and outdoors. Now, before we get into impeachment talk, Brenda, happy anniversary. Oh, thank you up. very much, Joe. I appreciate that. It was very kind of Randy to mention it again this morning. And props to my husband, Dan Lockie, who runs the liquor store uh, straight up on Elmwood and Washington and Kenmore, celebrating Seven years on the seventh yesterday. So thank you all for your support and patronage. That is and awesome. And you know, the best thing, we've met so many lovely people over the years. That's been the, the real joy of the, the liquor store. Any small business owner knows it's not easy, not easy owning a store or running a business. But we've met a lot of lovely people and, you know, created some new friendships. All right. Now, you know what? I think right now would be a good time to break and then we can open up the sub, uh, the topic. One of the more mellow trap remixes, or I think it just takes forever to get into. It, there it is. It's Hardline, News Radio 930 WBEN, Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy, and for this hour, Professor Jacob Nyheisel. All right, guys, we had our fun in the first segment. Let's get down to business. Professor, impeachment inquiry, I guess is what it's still called. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to write up articles of impeachment. That's right. what Nancy Pelosi attempted to call for a few days ago. And then she was asked if she hates the president. 
Maybe I'll get into that comment in a minute. But first, the, the procedure. So now it is time to write articles of impeachment. Who writes those articles? So this is going to come out of the House Judiciary Committee. Um, and so traditionally, they're the, the body who writes up the articles of impeachment. They then vote on them out of the committee. There is no necessity that they, they even have to, to pass those articles. They, they can be forced out of that committee into the floor anyways. And so I really think at this stage, uh, it, it's all it's full steam ahead. So the so the first committee was the Intelligence Committee. They have nothing to do with the articles. It's, it's uh, directly. No. Okay. Um, so we're, we're in. Look, this happened so few times in history right. that, that we really are going off of precedent and that precedent kind of changes from time to time that we've considered this. And so there's very little in the Constitution itself about the procedural bits. And so there's a little bit of variability that's going to play out. But traditionally, the House Judiciary Committee is going to be the one that is really the the go-to for, for this kind of thing. And what is the timing usually, not what we're looking at for this process, but the last impeachment, which would have been Bill Clinton? How long does that take till it gets to the point where all of Congress votes on it? Oh, that's a great question. I don't remember off the top of my head how long it took in um, the late 1860s or or how long it took in the 90s, even though I was obviously alive for one of those. But um, it really can take as long as the House wants it to. Um, and so I'm sure what they're doing right now is playing a bit of a strategic game, which is how much time do we have to build up popular support for this versus at the same time, uh, does it look like we're dragging this out for strategic or political purposes? And so there's a fine line there. And so they're trying to drum up as much public support as they can get without actually crossing that line into really, folks, you're just doing this for 2020. I've got a question for you, too, Professor. Um, and this is something I'll pose to Brian Higgins, too, when he joins us in the 11 o'clock hour. But these impeachment proceedings are moving ahead, and yet the economy is at an all-time high. Unemployment rate fell to 3.5%, which I believe is the lowest level since 1969. So how do you reconcile that with the leadership of the president in this whole impeachment thing? In your years of teaching and studying the the political animal. How, how do you reconcile this? I think that there are some parallels to be drawn here with the Clinton impeachment, which is, hey, things were pretty good. Late 90s, tech boom, people's wallets were fairly full, you know, things were going well with the economy. And I think for the most part, people were willing to give Bill Clinton a pass on it. And so if you look at the public opinion polls around that time, there's a bit of a dip. And certainly his personal reputation took a hit. I'm talking about Clinton here. But as the president, people thought he was doing a pretty good job. And so one of the things we learned, I think, from 2016 in particular, but really last couple decades of presidential elections, is that the fundamentals really matter. The economy matters. People's fatigue with certain parties matter. Are things going well on the international front? Those kinds of things. And I think that a lot of people you know, look at the, the economic situation. Now, granted, they're going to look at that through a lot of different lenses, depending on their personal politics. But the average voter things are pretty good. And so that creates a bit of a danger for Democrats here that the, there's a recreation of what happened to Clinton. Do you think that the average voter says, you know, I've got more money in my wallet, my 401k is humming along. I don't really care what's happening in Washington. It's really hard to, you know, sort of live your day-to-day life with all the challenges that involves and worry about the happenings in Washington. Do you think that's true? I think that probably is true for the vast majority of voters. Certainly there's going to be a partisan tinge to a lot of people's evaluations, right? If you're a Democrat and you're a diehard Democrat, you wanted impeachment yesterday. Uh, if you're a Republican, there's probably nothing that can be done to sway you. I think the people in the middle, to the extent that they still exist, and they do, I mean, the, the polls or the, the surveys out there show us that there are some people in the middle who don't pay a ton of attention until right before the election. 
they think things are, are fairly good. Um, we can question that judgment, but that's what's being relayed through the, the research. You, you look at the Democrats who don't support impeachment because there's not one Republican who does in Congress. We don't know about Senate yet. Do you see, as polls are showing, and as you just mentioned, independent voters, let's be honest, in 2020, that's what it's about. You have your hardcore Republicans that won't go anywhere, your, your liberal Democrats that will never even consider voting for Trump or anyone with an R next to them. Same with the, with the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have the independents. And now you see Democrats like Brenda Lawrence. You see other, I think there's three Congre- congressional Democrats who said they will not vote for impeachment. They would like something like a censure. Do you see more of those numbers, that number expanding? Or since this is going to happen, probably in a quicker fashion, that probably won't happen. I think that number could expand. I mean, it really depends on sort of the internal machinations going on here. Look, there are a number of Democrats who were swept into power in 2018 uh, who are going to have to sort of thread the needle here between getting to the support of their party and then also catering to a district that maybe went for Trump in, in 2016 or is slightly more conservative on average. And so they're going to have to to play this calculation where, okay, the party's going to support me, and I'm sure I'm going to get all kinds of great stuff from the DCCC if I toe the line here, versus, hey, this is a really salient vote. There might be people in my district who aren't happy with me about that. And so they're going to have to make their own decision about which one brings them the most benefit. You look, for the, you look at these, and this is kind of going off impeachment for a second. Uh, you look at these districts that did vote for Trump, that were Obama districts for two years, or for two terms, I'm sorry. Um, they didn't vote for President Trump because of his stance on immigration. They voted because of jobs, because of the economy. They see, as Brenda said, the economy doing well. And these are Democrats who voted for Trump. So obviously Democrats who probably are more in the middle. Does this impeachment affect them? I'm talking about the people who are out of work, who are just now back in work, doing Trump's doing what they voted for. Do you see, they're still Democrats, so probably voted for that congressional representative do you see them, the voter, being swayed? Potentially. Uh, you know, it, it's a numbers game. And how many of those can we identify per district um, versus, you know, what kind of flack are you going to get from what you traditionally think of as the base? And so the base is going to be uh, more liberal for, for Democrats, right? They have to get through a primary. So they're looking at challenges from, from the left, and they're looking at where they need to be in a general election contest. And so, you know, they're, they're trying to play three-dimensional chess here, and they're trying to make all aspects of their district happy. And that's why you see a lot of turnover in these more moderate districts. Just ja- it's hard. Jacob, I've got to ask you, what did you think about President Trump canceling the uh, press conference very, abrupt, uh, very abruptly? And the whole thing about how there was some video of some of the other world leaders uh, allegedly mocking him. That, that seemed like something that came out of nowhere and then all of a sudden it became a big story. I, To be honest, I wasn't paying a ton of attention to that other than uh, what footage made it into to Biden's uh, new ad. Um, you know, I, I, I guess we could speculate quite a bit as to what to, to read into the president's actions. Um, I've kind of stopped doing that and that I'm very bad at the prognostication or what's going on behind closed doors. Um, you know, it, it's a it's an interesting commentary where we are in terms of world politics and that we have, you know, if, you, if the, the storyline is to be believed, sort of world leaders taking shots at each other at a, at a forum that's that's normally more about policy than, than other kinds of things. And so I, I think it's just more of a commentary on where we are um, as, a, as a nation and as a, as a world. All right, 803-0930, another half hour with the professor. When we get back, I'm going to run a few questions 
that I have for Congressman Higgins. I'm going to run them by the professor, see what his opinion of them, see if we get different answers. We'll see. I have a few here. If you have a question for the professor, 803-0930, the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board is open at 3930. We'll remind you at 11 o'clock, Congressman Higgins will be with us for most of the hour answering impeachment questions. I've got a few sound bites. Brenda and I have our questions ready to go for the congressman. We thank him for joining us. That's at 11. But if you have your questions now for Jacob, 803-0930. If you have a question for the congressman, you can text that in at 3930. And a uh, shameless plug here, tomorrow, 9 to noon, I will be in for Sandy Beach. So mark your calendars, get your radio.com apps ready, and continue listening to WBEN. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast for the news up on the housetop reindeer paws out jumps good old santa claus down through the chimney with lots of toys yes getting closer to the holiday season a little uh, new twist on the classics we're finding here with the trap Christmas music. Joe, will we hear these tomorrow from 9 to noon? You'll hear a few of them tomorrow, 9 to noon. I, I like these traps. Yeah, you know, it, it's getting mixed reaction on the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board during the week. Uh, but I think it gives you the flavor of the holidays. And, you know, come on, it's a morning show, 9 to noon, a little something to wake you up. Yes, you know, sir. Sometimes when monster energy and coffee isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a coffee-holic. I could use more this morning, let me tell you. Yeah? We uh, we started binging a show called Nurse Jackie, and we stayed up way too late last night watching episode after episode, so the coffee definitely is kicking in today, fortunately. Well, 803-0930, it is Hardline. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy back together, and uh, 
No days off in sight, right? We're going to be nope. going right through the holidays here on Hardline. Professor Jacob Nyheisel in studio with us. And Jacob, we were talking off air, and I'd like your opinion of this. Two questions that I will be asking uh, Congressman Higgins. Number one, Republicans, uh, conservatives in Congress are claiming they aren't getting a fair trial. Do they have a case? Um, I, I don't know about that. I mean, they have a seat at the table. They're just in the minority, and they know what that means. Uh, the House is, is meant to be a majoritarian body. If you're in the minority, it's quite possible to be pretty cut out of the process. And that's just sort of how things work on that side. And so they do have a seat at the table, right? They have representation on all these committees. They just don't have the votes. And so I, it's grandstanding, but, but then again, it, you know, that, that's what this process looks like. And you look at this process, okay? You've had... People in Congress. We're not talking about talking heads. We're not talking about, you know, Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. We're talking about elected officials in Congress who have been calling for the impeachment of this president since the day he was elected. Not the day he was inaugurated, the day he was elected. 2007, Congress voted on tabling impeachment. Now, obviously, it passed because two years later, we finally got that vote. But 58 congressmen and Congresswomen voted against tabling impeachment. 2020, it's going to be a, a close and I think a nasty election. Mm -hmm. How does this play? Not the impeachment itself, but the fact that they've been looking for any reason to impeach this guy since Election Day 2016. I think that does hurt their case uh, among a, a slice of the electorate who, you know, for, for maybe the you know, procedure is more important for them rather than ideology. And so, yeah, I think that does hurt their case uh, a little bit. Um, look, they were kind of gifted the Ukraine thing. And so that, that does make the case a little bit stronger. But that a subset of the party has always been in favor of this really does you know, hurt, I think, in the, the court of public opinion, if you will. And I, and I don't know that Nancy Pelosi's announcement of the, the articles moving forward really did anything to, to dispel that idea. I mean, she talked about the declaration. She's connecting this with, you know, if you read between the lines, revolution. And so I think some of that rhetoric may not play so well among a chunk of the electorate. The question is, are there enough of those folks out there to turn against impeachment? I've got to ask you too, uh, Professor, what do you hear from your students? I mean, you're dealing with the millennial set, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Is there increased interest in what's happening politically because President Trump is just such a lightning rod? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have seen a, a Trump bump, if you will, in the number of majors, the number of minors, the number of people double majoring. And so, you know, personally and professionally, um, it's been great business. Uh, it, you know, there is a renewed interest. There are students who are asking me, how can I get involved? You know, how can I work for this party or another party or what kinds of groups are out there that I can do work for? And so and from that perspective, it's been been a great rise in, in civic participation. Joe mentioned about the 2020 election coming up. And, and I have to ask you, I still think that Joe Biden will not be the nominee. I just think there are too many things happening with him uh, that continue to erode his popularity. And yet there he is still at the top of the heap. Kamala Harris drops out uh, for the next debate. I think you're down to what, six candidates, all white, no minorities. Any prediction? Are you looking in your crystal ball yet about who that nominee might be? Or do you, do you think I'm totally off base about Biden not being the one? No, I don't think that you're totally off base at all. I, with the caveat here that I'm really, really bad at prognostication. In the okay. sense that, you know, I said it was going to be a narrow Hillary Clinton victory in, in 2016. And, and I guess I was half right and that the, the Electoral College went a different way. But um, I think historically speaking, after a close loss, parties tend to double down rather than move to the middle. It's only after they've been sort of in the wilderness for a while 
that they tend to moderate. So if history is any guide here, I don't know that a moderate really is going to emerge to the to the top of the heap. Right now, Biden is skating on quite a bit of uh, name recognition. You know, these trial heats, if you will, don't mean a ton this far out from the election. And so I think with name recognition on his side, yeah, he's he's at the top of the pile. But historically, you tend to to sort of double down on ideology. And seeing that President Trump really achieved a lot in the flyover area, that really, do you think that that's what helped guide him through um, to the win? And Joe, I'd love your opinion on that too. Did the flyover area really help President Trump make, you know, win his candidacy? Yes, absolutely. I think that there are people who historically have not voted at high rates, um, groups of people who turned out for Trump. I mean, he was speaking their language in some ways. And so I think from a, a perspective of kind of descriptive representation, as strange as it seems for a, a guy who's very wealthy to represent swaths of the public yes. who aren't, I, I think he was the connecting with them on a different level that we hadn't seen before. And I think that's one of the reasons, there are a lot of reasons, why the polls were wrong. These people are normally underrepresented in who we poll, and look, they turned out to vote. And so that's going to skew things a bit. Yeah, you know, obviously he won in flyover country, but he also broke that blue wall that everyone talked about, that Republicans were scared to even go after. Here's a guy that got laughed at for going to Wisconsin. He got laughed at for going to Michigan. He got laughed at for going to Minnesota, which he did lose, Mm -hmm. but very closely. He got laughed at for the day before election, he went to six places, five of those in states he was told he wasn't going to win. He pulled off three of those four states. They said he wasn't going to win. And as I said, as I asked the professor, personally, I think those districts in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Wisconsin that voted for Trump, they weren't voting because of the wall. They weren't voting because of immigration. Those moderate Democrats were voting because of the failed economy and they wanted wanted to get back to work. And I think if you put all of this aside going into the election in 2020. Now, a lot could happen. A lot could happen between now and November 2020. But if it stays the same, especially with the economy that we've been promised is going to fail any day now, if that continues, I think people will feel that extra weight in their back pocket, and hopefully it's the money and not the weight I've put on the last few months, (laughs) and they will see, okay, I don't like the way he tweets, I don't like the way he talks, I don't like a lot of things about this man, but I'm not voting for my best friend. I'm voting for someone to keep me safe and keep the economy growing. And he has done those two things. And part of the equation, too, Joe, was I think Hillary fatigue. What what do you say to that, Professor? Oh, certainly there there might be a kind of personal dimension of, of Hillary fatigue. You know, she's been a, a target of derision since the, the early 1990s. I think the 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 fundamental factor we talk about here is party fatigue, right? The Democrats had two turns at it. It's really, really hard, historically speaking, to get that third term. It happens. It's happened in the modern era, but it's really tough to do that. And so I think that the economy was one big factor. I think that party fatigue was one big factor. And you know some of these other kind of big moving things that were outside of the campaign. Do you think if it is Joe Biden, and unlike Brenda, I, I for some reason just see Joe Biden getting a nod. And I don't think he's the best candidate on the left. I think comments like this, well, we'll play that one later. <laughs> I think the, the comments he, 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 he has, it seems everyone wants to talk about things Trump says, but it seems like for every one Trump gaffe, yes. there's five Biden gaffes. But I still think he's likable, right? Take his policies away. He's likable Joe. He's mm-hmm. a likable old guy. And I think people think if they put the likable guy who smiles and you smile back, he'll beat 
Trump, who's not seen as likable by even people who vote for him. Well, people are very loyal to President Trump, though. You know, I I, I see what you're saying, Joe, but I think the president has so many diehard supporters oh, right yeah. now. He may have his own quirks and, and uh, issues where he's not likable in that sense. But Joe Biden, you know, is has often been referred to as a gaffe machine, oh. keeps living up to that label. And just goofy things like, you know, sort of chomping on his wife's finger. It might be charming and fun in a different setting, but I don't know. Joe doesn't come across as presidential to me in a lot of ways. Well, I know I don't. Oh, you mean Joe Biden. <laughs> the other Joe B. <laughs> well, he- but so I, I want to go back to the, the candidates on the Democratic Party side, Professor. Um, it seems to me that Amy Klobuchar is, is sort of rising a little bit in popularity and exposure. And I've seen her on a lot of talk shows lately. She's in that flyover area, mm-hmm. you know, a Minnesota representative for many years, a senator. Why hasn't she gained more traction, do you think? Oh, that's a great question. And, and I don't really know other than, you know, the, the media, uh, you know, has a tendency to, in political science, we have the fancy name for it. We call it the game schema, right? You, you focus on the game, you focus on the players, you focus on the strategy. And really, she's kind of stayed out of that kind of conversation, whereas others have been talking about, you know, some of these other uh, factors that are going in. And so I think that... You know, for for whatever reason, she just wasn't one of the anointed ones going in, and and that has a, a certain path dependent quality to it. What about Kamala Harris? Were you surprised that she, after the the whole thing about I was that little girl in the debate, and really took Biden down a peg, and then it just sort of fizzled out for her? Yeah, I'm not I'm not terribly surprised. Um, you know, it was unclear to me what she brought to the table that other candidates didn't, and that's a really dangerous place to be in if you're in a very crowded field. If you don't really bring anything new or different and you can't distinguish yourself and you're kind of just an also ran from the beginning, that's a really tough spot to be in. And you you need people to be excited enough about you to donate money. But wouldn't you think a minority woman, a former prosecutor, attractive, charismatic, would have gone further than she did? Yes, I I would have thought she would have stayed in a bit longer. I mean, I I thought that she would be near the top of the heap with Warren, but the the prosecutor part has not helped her in this campaign. Uh, You know, I guess uh, she's got a a bad reputation as well, but Tulsi Gabbard really kind of took her down a notch in some of the debates on her her record as a prosecutor. And so if you're dealing with a, a primary electorate who sees that as a net negative, you know, there are a number of professions that used to be you know, any party could be part of that. But now if you're seen as the man or if you're seen as implementing certain policies that are very difficult for certain populations, that that's a net negative. And she also went through four slogans in a very short campaign. Usually you right. want to stick to one. Yes. If, if one's not resonating, it's going to be very difficult to keep a campaign going. Well, it certainly reflects how she had no core message. You know, right. they couldn't come to any sort of resolution about what she is. As you're saying, there was no identity. I want to go back to Joe Biden, which and maybe this is why he's still leading, because he is the talk of shows like this. But do you think Joe Biden also people like they do with Trump, they'll take away some of the things he says, right? Uh, Some of the gaffes that he has because they look at Elizabeth Warren and they look at some of these other on the stage and they look at the economy the way it is now. And they see someone like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders who wants to redefine the economy, which right now is working, believe it or not, capitalism is working. Do you think a lot of people look at that and say, yeah, he goofs up a lot. He seems like he might be losing it. I don't know what he was doing with his leg hairs, but he'll keep the economy something I can understand. He can keep, he'll keep the, he won't ruin what Trump has built. 
Right. There's a certain level of comfort with a candidate like Joe Biden, right? It's not going to be radically different. Um, There's not going to be big changes coming in. I think he's got a lot of things going for him. One, he was vice president under a tremendously popular figure in the Democratic Party, which is Barack Obama. And I think that there there is that level of comfort with, yeah, he's he's just going to be Joe and he's going to hold the ship and it's going to go in roughly the same direction. Uh, But then I also I think that there are a number of people who are voting for him or voting rather um, who are throwing their support behind him because they think he can win. And I think that that is more important than ideology for a number of people out there. All right. We promised phone calls. Let's get to one before we have to wrap this. Let's do it, Joby. Well, let's let's get to two. We'll try to get to two here. John in Rochester is first. John, good morning. Hey, hey, Joe. Hey, Brenda. Good morning. Morning. Uh, Question for you, Professor. Um, Do you think there's any uh, chance that these impeachment proceedings are a smokescreen to cover up the investigation that's going on right now uh, of the Obama administration uh, with the CIA and the FBI interference in, in the uh, Podestas and the Ukraine in, in Russia in the Trump campaign. Uh, this has been brewing for two or three years. There have been books written on it. Now, now there's an actual official criminal investigation by Durham into this matter. Do you think this impeachment thing is trying to cover up or be a smokescreen for that? I don't know if it's a smokescreen. I think that they would be doing this whether or not there were any questions about you know prior behavior that uh, when they were at the helm. And so I think that this is just politics as usual, and uh, they were going to go ahead with this if they had the opportunity. And I think the Ukraine um, scandal, if you will, gave them that opportunity. Do you, do you think the Ukraine scandal could backfire in the Democrats? Because there is a, there is a lot of evidence that Ukraine did uh, push back against the Trump campaign and colluded uh, to defeat Trump. Oh, impeachment could absolutely backfire. I mean, the history, we don't have to go back that far to show one that was is widely believed to have been a bit of a backfire. I mean, the, the impeachment of Bill Clinton, you get this rare chance in 1998 where a, a midterm election and the party that controls the presidency wins seats. That, that almost unheard of in the modern era. And so you, you get a little bit of a window into, you know, impeachment is not pure political profit for the Democratic Party. There's, there's certainly a, a negative here and it could go wrong for them. Okay, thanks a lot. Have a go Buffalo. Yes, John, for sure. Go Bills. Thank you, John in Buffalo. That is one more question before we get out of here. The fundraising for the two parties that the Democrats released in the middle of a debate so no one would see them. Is that a telling sign or is that just where the money lies, not where the votes lie? Yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of questions lately about money. And I, you know, money in my standard line is two things. It's support and it's also buys the things that get you support. It's really unclear at this stage what money means in large part because it, it matters where that money is coming from. All right. No doubt about it. I think that's, uh, that is such an important point that we don't often talk about. But the source of that money uh, can answer some questions. Absolutely. All right. Well, Professor, thank you so much for coming in. Are you watching the Bills game? Uh, I don't have a TV anymore. So you don't have I, a TV? Well, I do have a TV. It just I only have Netflix. I don't have anything local. So And, and I have no sports package. So I think um, I will be on listening to 550 as I do work. Okay, that's not a bad move. Yeah, we, we like that, uh, we like that <laughs> endorsement. Hey, as long as you have radio, TV is unnecessary. I agree. Only Netflix, though. So you cut the cord. I have cut the cord. I did a show on this. You cut the cord. Only Netflix, though? No Only Hulu? Netflix. Uh, I will probably be adding Disney Plus because all my say. nerd friends say The Mandalorian is where it's at. So, oh, Well, I'm not a Star Wars guy, but 
Disney Plus is great for the movies you grew up on, the old Disney original shows that uh, I used to watch. I have not watched Netflix or Hulu since purchasing Disney Plus in November. Well, let me give you a recommendation quickly. Unbelievable on Netflix. Will do. Great, great show. Will do. All right. Well, Professor, thanks again for taking time out of your Sunday morning for being the the setup man for Brian Higgins. Uh, I couldn't uh, be in a better role. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, stay tuned. Coming up next is Congressman Brian Higgins. If you have a question for him, the text board is open. The Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, 3930. It's Hardline, Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy. Another great hour of programming coming up after this. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 